Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the takeout ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent... Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. You know, this show sometimes sets itself right in the flow of news. And this episode does precisely that. There is a raging conflict going on in Israel between Israel and Hamas. There is a war in Europe still going on, Russia and Ukraine. We are going to spend the hour with the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, Jack Reed of Rhode Island. Mr. Chairman, great to see you. Good to see you too, Major. And uh, just to set the scene, we are in Senator Reed's hideaway, Office 144, the United States Capitol. Thanks for the hospitality. Let's do some quick politics first. Okay. We are recording this. What is the date on my watch? Uh, November 8th, Thursday afternoon. Moments ago... Your colleague, Senator Joe Manson of West Virginia, said he's not running for re-election. Your reaction? Well, Joe has uh, been a great uh, support in the Senate. He's a member of the Armed Services Committee, which I chair. He has been uh, extremely helpful on so many different issues. And he's taken a lot of tough votes. Uh, and he's also tried to maintain a bipartisan rapport, rapport, which is less and less common around here. And as an individual, he's someone I respect a great deal. A blow to Senate Democrats? He's not seeking re-election? Well, he's obviously, in my mind, the best candidate for West Virginia. He's, for many reasons. One, he's the incumbent, but also uh, he is West Virginia born and bred. He's, he's, he relates. He's very good. I think we'll, we will have a good candidate. And we'll uh, fight the fight. <laughs> and I'm not giving up hope yet on West Virginia or any state because, I mean, we saw this week in the elections in Ohio, uh, elections across the country, where um, there are a lot of issues that uh, independents and uh, even some Republicans are siding with Democrats. And if you're a Democrat looking for inspiration or hope in West Virginia, you might look at Kentucky. Absolutely. You've got a a lot of similarities there in terms of their economy, uh, the regionality, and the governor, Beshear, did an excellent job, and he did it uh, by the old-fashioned way, going out, talking to the voters, and then pointing out how much he's done for the state. And we hope we can get a candidate like that in West Virginia. In his video announcement, Senator Manchin said he would be traveling the country boldly. 
I don't think you're, if you're a politician, you ever intend to travel the country timidly. But anyway, does that sound to you like someone who might be entertaining a no labels alternative third party candidacy? I know no labels doesn't like third party, but that's yeah, essentially what it is. Right. Uh, initially, my and as your friend and colleague, what would you counsel him about that? Uh, well, no, I would counsel him to uh, you know take the high road, which he will which is to talk about issues that are of concern to the American people, which will uh, and promote bipartisan solutions. Uh, and I think he'll be very adept at that. Uh, I think also, incidentally, he's going to stay in the public eye, which is good because he's a thoughtful and conscientious public servant. Um, and the other nice thing about it, too, is he's not just going to relax and go off into the mountains. So he's right, going to still you be cannot active. regard as benign a possible candidacy for the presidency if it harms President Biden. Well, uh, that's a possibility. But uh, again, I think Joe's objective is not so much to disrupt the election. It's to engage on these important issues. If he finds some traction, well, that might be another case altogether. But I think his initial um, thought is to go out and start talking seriously on the way we can solve these problems in a bipartisan fashion. All right, let's get to the news at hand. Again, November 8th, uh, Thursday afternoon. So there's been developments today. Yes, sir. Israel has announced that it will provide a daily corridor for humanitarian assistance and refugee movement from northern parts of Gaza southward, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Is that helpful? Is that enough? How do you regard that announcement from the Israeli government? I think that's real progress, and it's been a result of the president's uh, quiet diplomacy uh, directly with the Israeli government. Uh, and it's not just a humanitarian effort. It's also a very smart operational effort. Uh, one is that... You want to disassociate the Palestinian population from Hamas. So you want to offer them safety and security. And you also want to signal to uh, the Palestinians that the goal of the Israeli forces is not their destruction, but the destruction of Hamas. So I think both in an operational sense and a, a humanitarian sense, it's very important. And it, I don't think it would have happened without the president's uh, gentle suggestions and when you say gentle you mean not sort of being more aggressive in a rhetorical way publicly but being more persuasive privately i think that's exactly right i think we have been trying to provide uh, israel with all the resources they need to win that includes uh, munitions it includes sophisticated uh, military equipment but it also includes the advice that we learned the hard way in iraq and in afghanistan is that one thing you want to do as quickly as possible is separate these terrorist groups and hamas is a terrorist group from the population if you can get the population on your side then the chances are of effectively taking down the, the radicals is very, Fair to very say, increased. Mr. Chairman, that there is probably no place on planet Earth where that is harder to do than Gaza, separate the Palestinians from Hamas and Hamas from the Palestinians who live there? I think that's Either operationally, psychologically, or, or any other way. I think that's very true, but I think you have to try that. You can't just sort of write it off because not only it affects the internal dynamics of Palestine, but also it affects the worldview of the, uh, of the efforts that the Israelis are trying to make. Uh, they suffered a, a grievous, grievous blow uh, by Hamas. I mean, depravity. It, it wasn't a military operation. It was sadistic depravity. Uh, and... They have to uh, not only take out Hamas, but they have to do it in a way that minimizes uh, their, the impact on the Palestinian people. And it's, a, it's not an easy task, not an easy task at all. Uh, but in the long run, um, this goes back to theories for hundreds of years, in the long run, if the, the people are with you and the, the, bad, the bad guys are more vulnerable, and that's what they want to do. So let's talk in very practical terms, Jack Reed, Chairman of the Armed Services Committee on the Senate side. Since October 7th, according to the United Nations, 756 aid trucks have made it into Gaza. Before October 7th, 
455 trucks a day were making that journey. There's not enough getting in, is there? No, not at all. And people are suffering massively, the civilians, wherever they are, whether they're in the northern part of Gaza or the southern part, which is theoretically somewhat safer. Mm -hmm. What needs to be done? And what role should the U.S. play? Well, the U.S. has to... um continue to urge and there's been made some progress i mean we went from nothing getting in to the 100 trucks a day but that is not enough we have to get more supply routes in we have to think creatively Uh, can we take supplies over the sea from cyprus for example bring them in Uh, maybe we could let our corps of engineers uh, put up temporary dockage so that the ships can get in uh, that would be in, in concert and in collaboration with the Israelis. Uh, I was over there, as you probably know, in the Middle East. We sat down with the crown prince in Saudi Arabia, and I urged him personally that they should be devoting billions of dollars to a fund that would help the international organizations move more food and more uh, vital supplies into That was with Gaza. the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Was he yeah. receptive to that idea? Uh, he didn't dismiss it. He was very uh, diplomatic about mm-hmm. saying that's... Uh, Take it under for, advisement in the old yes, phrase. Yes, exactly. But I think we have to plant that idea and so that this becomes an international effort where the, the, the funding can be made available and the resources can be made available. But to your point, you're exactly right, is that it, it, to the extent that the Palestinian people feel that they're suffering and they're the object of uh, the uh, military operations, uh, they're not going to break any allegiance. And the other thing on many practical levels, one of the key values in any type of conflict is intelligence, human intelligence. And how can you extract that if they are hostile? Let me stop you right there, Mr. Chairman. We need to take a break. Segment two of the takeout coming your way in just one second from the Senate hideaway. The Senate Armed Services Chairman, Jack Reed of Rhode Island. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to The Takeout. Continuing our conversation with the Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman, Jack Reed. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I want to read to you a quote from Volker Turk, who is the UN Commissioner for Human Rights. He says that Hamas and Israel have both committed war crimes. Do you agree with that? Uh, I definitely think Hamas has. There's no other way to describe the depravity. The issue with Israel is one of uh, proportionality in terms of uh, the, the weapons they use, uh, the, the targets. The care with which those weapons exactly, are used. Exactly. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. And it comes down, uh, frankly, in, the, in these cases, to individual incidents of whether or not this specific situation uh, was excessively, excessive force was used. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's an issue that the world community can't ignore, and nor can Israel. In your mind, it's an open question. I think it is because uh, at uh, this point, uh, the evidence has not been sufficiently accumulated. But uh, one of the messages, in fact, we communicated to several senators, communicated to the president, 
that we have to ensure that the Israelis, particularly if they're using our equipment, are following the, the rules of law. So there cannot be, you can't ignore this issue. There has to be accountability. I want to read to you another quote. This is from Martin Griffiths, who's the UN Undersecretary for Humanitarian Assistance and Emergency Relief. Quote, the current conflict is a wildfire that could consume the region. Do you agree? Yes, if there's not a more sophisticated view of the totality of the events uh, by everyone involved, the Iranians who have interest there, uh, Hezbollah, et cetera, this could rapidly go out of control. In fact, you know, one uh, thinks back to the guns of August where an incident took place in the Balkans that suddenly consumed the entire continent of Europe. Triggered World War One. Exactly. So we have to think very carefully about this. And I think the United States and the President has done a good job of sending strong signals of deterrence to Iran, uh, to Hezbollah and others by moving our carrier task forces in, etc. And also I think, though, that this is where uh, uh, Israel's operational techniques have to be uh, improved. Uh, more precision weapons, mm-hmm. much better intelligence, again, human intelligence as well as electronic intelligence. And then also I think this goes to, to sending a message to the world that there's going to be uh, ultimately a transition to a period and a time when uh, the Palestinian people will live in peace and safety as well as Israeli people. And uh, I think the longer Israel defers that sort of future projection of what their plans are, the more uncertainty is existing. In other words, it would be, from your perspective, as the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, wise for Israel to explain what its endgame either is or may look like in terms of a two-state solution and what comes on the other side of this for Palestinian civilians? Not think, aligned with Hamas? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I think... Uh, you know that's a problem for Benjamin Netanyahu because many parts of his coalition government don't foresee a two-state solution. They're actively hostile to that. I know that. And that is, I think, impeding uh, their ability to uh, send a, a message to, appropriately to not just the Palestinian people, but to the whole world, and also to adjoining states and states that like Jordan who Mm -hmm. have been very very uh, staunch allies of Israel but now are under tremendous pressure on their streets from their populations to stabilize the the, the region you've got to be able to to say well our hope is and we'll try but Mm -hmm. at this point it's a hope is that we'll reach a point where for example, the Palestinian Authority will be of sufficient capability and goodwill to be able to uh, govern in Gaza and govern in the West Bank. That's also a problem, though, is it not, I Mr. Understand. Chairman? Because it's, the Palestinian Authority is regarded as weak, corrupt, aged, and no match for Hamas. Well, yes, and uh, that would require uh, an infusion of youth Mm-hmm. of resources and of talent into the Palestinian Authority. And, and on the question of resources, that, does that need to come from other Arab states? Well, uh, it would help a lot. As I said, mm-hmm. I've, I've suggested... Get off the sidelines. I've suggested to the Saudis and the Egyptians that they put in significant resources, and certainly the Saudis have those resources, in order to give capabilities uh, to uh, the Palestinians in order to be, you know, govern themselves or and do so in a way that they don't present a threat to Israel. And if that's the case, then I think it's a better world over there. So let's talk a little bit about the Palestinian Authority. Uh, the prime minister of the Palestinian Authority has recently said, direct quote, what Israel is doing is not a war against Hamas, but a war against all Palestinian people. Agree or disagree and helpful or unhelpful? It's unhelpful. I disagree. And I think uh, that's another example of where Israel has to make a much more stronger case to the world that that's that these words are completely inaccurate. 
Uh, and that's where the, even the things they've done today, the four-hour pours, sends a good message. Uh, making, getting fuel into hospitals without it being uh, intercepted by Hamas, that's a good message. You know, Plosowitz said, you know, war is an extension of politics by other means. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is that a, a lot of war is politics. Of what political messages are you sending? How are you convincing? What your, are you leaving behind? What are you leaving in your wake? What are right. you creating yes. from the warfare you're right. waging? Exactly. And I think uh, that's something that, that should be done. But uh, there is an equal responsibility, and people forget, on the part of the, the Palestinian Authority to stand up and to represent well the people of Palestine. I mean, one of the oddities, not oddities, I, the, I don't know what the word is, but you know, the Palestinian Authority were controlling uh, Gaza, and Hamas won an election. Yep. It so the one and only election held in 2006. Yes, yeah, so that shows me that the Palestinian Authority really wasn't doing as much as the Palestinians in the West Bank hoped for. I've heard you say that Hamas hates Jews and doesn't really care about Palestinians. That's right. What's the evidence of the second part of that phrase? Well, the fact that they would build uh, significant command posts below refugee camps. Or no, hospitals. Or hospitals, knowing No that, doubt in your mind that that's true. No doubt, from the intelligence I've seen, that they do that. That they, they uh, would use uh, innocent Palestinians as shields. Uh, and if you look at, you know, the, the way they run the, uh, the Gaza, it's basically there's, they're not doing anything out of their way to help the ordinary Palestinian they're, the leaders are making quite a bit of money, and they're extracting quite a bit of money for uh, from the siphon Palestinians. Siphon fuel, siphon, siphon food. Fuel, tax them on things like generators, which they need just to you know, to keep the lights on and things going. Uh, so this is not a Hamas is not a uh, benef beneficial. Uh, Would you even leader. call it a governing authority? No, it's not. It's a dictatorship run by a, a cadre of terrorists. Mm -hmm. um, we have just a couple of seconds left, so I don't want to launch us into uh, another big topic. But uh, in the 30 seconds or so we have left, would it be helpful and wise for the Israelis to not be as aggravating to the Palestinians in the West Bank right now? I think it would, uh, and I think... Uh, that's a small topic. No, no, I think it would. I think it, it would be helpful to them, and again, in this creating the kind of uh, image and validating their, I think, their honest and fundamental beliefs that they have to destroy Hamas, but they are not, their intention is not to destroy the Palestinian people. If you start in an area which they effectively control, if you start helping the Palestinian Authority become more responsive and responsible if it looks as if that is a, a, a pathway to a mm -hmm. decent life for Palestinians, that will send a, a message worldwide and particularly into Gaza. And then, of course, the Israelis have to make sure they get that message out. They can, they can do it with media. They can do it with other things. Our conversation with Senator Jack Reed, chairman of the Armed Services Committee on the Senate side, will continue in just a moment. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to The Takeout, continuing our conversation with Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman Jack Reed. 
So there was a conversation in the House this week to censure a member of the House. Without getting into that, because that's the other part of the legislative branch, from your perspective, is there anything benign about the phrase, from the river to the sea? I am. I must confess, uh, I was not so focused on the comments of my colleague in the House to uh, see that phrase until it was in the headline of a newspaper. So I, I can't comment in any, any type of significant detail. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you interpret that when you hear that from those who are either in Congress or out of Congress who are supportive of the Palestinian side as a means to call for the extinction of the state of Israel? Because that's certainly how Jewish Americans hear that. Well, if that was the intent or even uh, remotely connected to the intent, that would be absolutely wrong. Uh, We were the first nation in the world to recognize the state of Israel we have been partners, and they've supported uh, many of our efforts. Uh, and frankly, uh, we have, I think, a solemn commitment to support the state of Israel, and we will keep that commitment. College campuses across this country are roiled with this conversation. First of all, do you have any thoughts on that one way or the other? And I'm sure you agree with this, but I just want to make sure. You can disagree with the Israeli government and not be anti-Semitic. You can be sympathetic to Palestinians and their suffering without supporting Hamas. Yes. How do you see that either not functioning or being misdirected on college campuses, either from the students themselves or the governing bodies or even the administration of the universities? Well, I Because think... now Jewish students say they don't even feel safe going to right. class or getting a meal on campus. Well, and there are some... Arab-American students who feel the same way. Well, I think the the message that we have to send out is that anti-Semitism is profoundly wrong. Islamophobia is profoundly wrong. That uh, attacking or denigrating an individual because of their race or many other factors is not what the American way is. We share in America a, a not a commonality of race or anything else, but of a spirit of a democracy that respects other people, that respects different views of other people, that allows those views to be expressed. So to be an American is not to be one race or culture. It's to agree to the spirit. Let's say, for example, to criticize uh, Israeli government for increasing settlements in the West Bank or saying that that may be a violation of underlying UN resolutions is not anti-Semitism. I think uh, we have to maintain the ability to uh, not only work with all of our allies, not just Israel, but point out areas where we disagree. Uh, And I think one of the issues that has become a point of friction between the United States and several different administrations has been settlements in the West Bank the treatment of the West Bank. You know, I recall the, the heady days when um, Prime Minister Barack and Yasser Arafat and Bill Clinton were standing together, and it looked like we had a two-state settlement that would have been acceptable to, to all sides, and uh, unfortunately that evaporated. Yes. And now we're in this uh, struggle, uh, historic struggle. Um, and I, so I, I think it is appropriate, not only appropriate, but I think it's important and to, on to the other point side of that problems. ledger, it's not Islamophobic to say Hamas is not a resistance movement. It is definitely not. You just have to read the charter of Hamas. They are committed to the destruction of the Jewish people. It is, uh, you know, no, they, their end cannot be defended, I mean, in that point. There are U.S. military personnel, as you well know, Mr. Chairman, in Iraq and Syria. There have been more than 40 various kinds of harassing mortar and other kind of attacks, two retaliatory strikes ordered by President Biden. What is going on there? It doesn't seem like the Iranian-backed militias or those who are harassing this way are getting the message. Is this a potential trigger point that we have to be more concerned about or more worried about? We have to be concerned about it. and we are, as you point out, taking steps to make it clear that we're not Are those steps strong us. enough? Uh, I think what we're seeing, which makes some sense, I think, is a gradual escalation. 
you know, not just uh, the, our last strike was against a major mm -hmm. munitions depot, uh, which we, you know, again, minimized casualties but maximized destruction of valuable war material. And I think the message is, while being very careful about casualties, uh, of taking out more and more valuable installations if possible, uh, impose a cost so that they don't feel they have a, you know, a free ride at attacking our service members. They don't. Mm -hmm. uh, French President Macron said on this day, November 8th, that there needs to be a very rapid humanitarian truce and we must work for a ceasefire. Do you believe a ceasefire of any duration is in the best interest of the Israeli government, military, or its objectives in Gaza? Well, I think um, a ceasefire would have to be an agreement between both sides uh, with conditions which both sides must meet. Hamas appears uninterested in doing anything except... And the Netanyahu government has said that has to be about hostages. Yeah, absolutely. All that, of them. All Not of them. 10 or 20, all of uh, them. That is... Uh, uh, that's the condition they're laying down. You're supportive uh, of that. Well, I, I don't think that, again, that we've, I've seen nothing from Omar suggesting that, that it would cease any type of offensive operations or anything else. They're calling for a unilateral ceasefire. A real ceasefire is when both sides say, okay, we're not going to fight, we're going to talk. And we're going to talk seriously, seriously about hostages, seriously about what, you know, what we mutually can do and what you want us to do, et cetera. So uh, a unilateral ceasefire wouldn't be helpful. And the Netanyahu government has made it abundantly clear it is on a war footing and the objective is to destroy Hamas, not negotiate with it. That's right. Uh, is that an achievable objective? Well, you know, in the past, they have had battles with Hamas and they've uh, found ways to stop the battles with Hamas. In fact, over the last several years, uh, they seem to, to have a, a, a growing working relationship. More and more Palestinians were being allowed to come into Israel to work, etc. In, in fact, it appeared, uh, I think, to the leaders in Israel that Hamas had basically settled into a sort of this comfortable relationship where, uh, you know, of course, we're going to sloganize against Israel, but, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're not going to do anything A miscalculation now appears. Indeed, yes. Catastrophic. Uh, certainly. Uh, Psychologically catastrophic. Absolutely. I heard you say after yeah. returning from Israel that there are now, within this contemporary population of the state of Israel, feelings of Holocaust anxiety, that there is nowhere to hide. Right, Exactly. I think this was traumatic to, to the Israelis. Just to, to a degree, 9-11 was traumatic to us, but I mean... We, Much more intimately, though. But, but not as, uh, not as um, heartbreaking as the, the notion uh, that I think most Israelis felt that this is once again uh, a Holocaust. No kibbutzim no, is safe. We're, no, we're not safe. I mean, one of the most poignant points was someone mentioned that they were leaving in the morning. Their wife came up to Wisfit in there and said, I want to show you where I can, I think we can hide the children. Families should not live that way. Not Israeli families, not Palestinian families. But this horror is so palpable to the Jewish community. We understand it, we, we recognize it, but it is not so visceral and just so meaningful as it is to the Jewish population all across the world. You know, so that is one of the reasons why this is a very difficult operation for the Israelis to conduct because, you know, you have to be as logical and as pragmatic and as uh, flexible as you can in a military operation. It's hard to do that when you, you're, the sense is, you know, this is... They've as the my president said... Be careful of your rage. Rage can sometimes blind you. That is the voice of Jack Reed, Chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, segment for The Takeout in just one moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to The Takeout. The chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, Jack Reed, is our special guest. All right, lots of other things to get to, and we'll try to get to them as quickly as possible. The president has also made a request of $60 billion to Ukraine. It's bogged down in the House. Uh, what are its prospects in the Senate? Give my listeners and viewers a sense of where do you think this is ultimately going to land, and if that aid is going to be approved by Congress, signed by the president, and sent to the Ukrainians in time. It has to be. Uh, Will it be? Those uh, are two different things. We, I know that, but uh, the, the good news for us here in the Senate is Senator McConnell is strongly committed to aid for Ukraine and many other Republicans. Uh, if we do not support the Ukrainians, then we have lost a significant uh, – battle, if you will, not a, a conflict, kinetic conflict, but Putin will eventually uh, use, use this to undermine NATO, will use this to undermine the Ukrainian government, uh, will continue his efforts. Uh, if he succeeds... And the, the whole security structure, as Europe has known it since World War II. It could undermine entirely the security structure, but also what it could do is prompt uh, uh, Russia, Putin, to uh, rest, regroup for a while, but then make an assault on another country. And if it's uh, the Baltics, that those are NATO allies, we're there with troops. My message is very simple. I'd rather send resources than American, young Americans. We have to get and don't kid yourself that this could come. Oh, it could come. If we, if, if we falter, uh, it'll be exploited, obviously, by the Russians. But also it will be used by our allies as a measure of our consistency, our support, our uh, endurance, et cetera. And if they can see that we're only good for a year or two, then guess what? They're looking for different arrangements. You invoked the name of the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, but he's made it very clear, as his Republican colleagues, that one of the negotiating components of aid to Ukraine is significant changes to border security policy. Are you supportive of those? Can you find your way to, and your Democratic colleagues find their way to accept most, some, all of those? Well, first of all, uh, we all have to recognize the president has included $12 billion. They want policy changes on what asylum is and methods in, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Remain in Mexico, things like that, that many of your Senate Democratic colleagues are not in favor of. And the White House isn't either. We have to go ahead and talk to them. Hammer it out. Hammer it out. But uh, the one thing we have to keep pointing to is in the near term uh, the most important issues facing us are I believe Israel and Ukraine uh, particularly since the president is not ignoring the border in his budget there's 12 billion dollars Secretary Mayorkas was here yesterday before the Appropriations Committee that's going to be used for very sophisticated equipment for more personnel uh, for an ability by the United States to be much more responsive to the crisis uh, at the border. And $12 billion is is not a just a mere sort of token. That, that is a significant investment in security. Mm-hmm. To be resolved later, though, this is not going to be sorted out anytime soon. Well, I, uh, it's going to have to be resolved, I, I assume, because if the Republicans tie it to Ukraine and Israel, we have to get that done fairly quickly. And then also we have the uh, continuing resolution Mm -hmm. that expires next week. Uh, But this calls for, given the the situation internationally and domestically, this calls for uh, thoughtful compromise. 
a grand compromise. It really seems to me if you're going to put Israel, Ukraine and border security together, that's a big bill. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of give and take and a lot of hard work. Exactly. Has and it even begun? Seriously? It has begun. Uh, and uh, fortunately, uh, in terms of our, the leadership, uh, we're starting from, you know, not uh, completely separate positions. Uh, both Senator McConnell, Senator Schumer right. understand Israel aid. The issues probably might come down to what type of border issues or policies we can talk about. Here's something else you know very, very well. 452 generals and flag officers are being held in legislative limbo by Alabama Republican Tommy Tuberville. Is there an off-ramp? How soon can you achieve it? And by what means will you achieve it? Because I know you want this done. You don't want it done one or two. You've said that again and again. This has to be done, if not en masse, very, something very close to that. What does that look like? When does that happen? Well, I think one of the most significant developments has been the work of my colleagues on the Republican side. Need 10 votes, though. Senator Sullivan. Yes, we do. But Senator Sullivan, Senator Ernst, uh, Senator Young, others came down to the floor and basically tried to get their nominations through. They were objected to by Senator Tuberville, but that's the first time we've seen publicly uh, Republican senators and experience, with military experience, uh, come out and say, this is wrong, mm -hmm. we have to fix it. So we've changed the, the momentum dramatically. Uh, we hope that Senator Tuberville will respond to that in a thoughtful, positive way and say, okay, I, I get it, I'm gonna drop these things. We have a resolution that is going through the Rules Committee that will require a vote, and you're right, uh, we'll need nine or ten Republican supporters that will basically suspend that type of hold for the rest a of the Congress. workaround, yeah, a legislative yes. workaround. Exactly. Right. Are you close on that? I think uh, we're breaking through. Uh, I think the Senator Sullivan and Senator Ernst and their colleagues sent a strong message that they want this to end, too. And I think uh, they're working very hard to get it done uh, without even the resolution. But when the resolution comes, and we'll have to bring it up, and then we'll have to make the case that our national security in a significant way and the readiness of armed service and the health and welfare of military families has been sacrificed by Republicans for a a partisan political issue. Has Senator Tuberville painted himself into a corner that he doesn't know how to get out of? Uh, he is getting uh, some help from his colleagues about ways that he could get out of it. And the question is, will he take their advice? And I think their advice is very well-intended and well-meaning, not only for the military, but for Senator Tuberville. What's the harm? What's, what are flag officers and generals suffering from in this limbo? Well, first of all, uh, the, there's a readiness issue. Uh, early in this process, uh, seven secretaries of defense, including secretaries under Republican and, pres and Democratic presidents, wrote a letter saying this is going to severely harm the readiness of the military. Our acting secretaries of the service at the moment came out publicly and said this is affecting readiness. We have general officers in limbo uh, that they should be, for example, the former president of the Naval War College, is sitting in Newport, uh, where she should have been six months ago in Brussels as our senior advisor, military advisor. We are now conducting a campaign to help the Ukrainians. NATO is critical to that, and yet we've got uh, someone just holding the place for a while. Uh, so you can look at around across the military and see huge problems with readiness, but it's sending a much deeper signal. It's sending a signal to not just those that are being held, but to everyone else in the military that they become political tokens. That they can be used for political purposes. That's not what we've ever done with respect to the military to this extent. Uh, we have always respected the professionalism of the military. These individuals selected on merit, not political uh, affiliation or anything else. And we're disregarding that. And that'll cause a significant harm. Do a lot of talented young colonels will say, hey, I can retire right now and get a, a job that pays three times as much. What am I, what am I doing this for? Military families are sitting around and saying, you know, 
the kids can't go to the school we registered them for because we haven't got our orders to move yet. The, the, you know, you're ruining your children's chances of going to school. This is cruel and, and, and as well as thoughtless. That is the voice of Senator Jack Reed, chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee. So ends this episode of The Takeout. Make sure you stay tuned for The Takeout Outtake Especial. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to your Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett. We're in the Senate hideaway of the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, Jack Reed of Rhode Island. That number is 144. If you're ever wandering around the Capitol, make sure you knock and knock politely. Uh, Senator Reed, it's good to see you. Uh, a couple of other things on the policy side. Um, there was a Republican presidential debate earlier this week. Among the things that were said was that there needs to be military action by the United States government in Mexico against drug cartels. Are you in favor of such an idea? What are, if you're not, why not? I don't think it's an idea that has merit at all. Uh, to, to engage militarily with Mexico is essentially to start a war. And uh, I don't think the Mexican government or the Mexican people would calmly accept our entrance with military forces there. And um, you would have some type of response by the Mexicans and... Um, and the cartels. And the cartels and everybody else. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, inappropriate. This is a criminal uh, justice issue, criminal procedures issue. That's why we have the Border Patrol there. We have some military on the border, but they, under Posse Comitatus, cannot perform law enforcement activities. They are there to support law enforcement. This has to be treated as a law enforcement issue. But Republicans talk about special operators going into Mexico. Well, that's nice, but uh, what do they say when the special operators go into the United States from Mexico? And in retaliation, what do they say when uh, the United States is, as we stand up for uh, countries like uh, Ukraine and Israel who were invaded and assaulted by outside forces and we do the same thing? What does America stand for? Uh, uh, it would be reckless, actually. There was also a conversation, a numerical conversation on the stage of the Republican presidential debate about the proper number of Navy vessels. Should it be 600? Should it be 400? Should it be 355? What is the proper number? And is the president oriented sufficiently to achieving whatever that possible best operational number is? Well, I think today it's less about numbers than it is about capabilities. It's, uh, numbers can be misleading, in other words. Numbers can be misleading, uh, and it's also not only about you know the total number, it's the number of effective ships that are at sea. So we are working in the Armed Services Committee to improve our capacity to overhaul ships, uh, get them back in, in, uh, on duty as quickly as possible. We're, we're increasing our investment in submarine construction because, again, it's not just... Uh, number of ships it's what ships do you have uh, you know we could build lots of navy ships that would not be effective against uh, in Russia this conversation former new jersey governor chris christie said the only thing that really matters right now is the number of subs well submarines are, are critical to our national security uh, and they all begin in rhode island i knew the, that the construction uh they are critical uh and we are ramping up our production significantly uh because not only are we now uh, building American submarines, we're cooperating with uh, the Australians 
to help them first use some of our submarines, but second, to help them construct their own attack submarines. So we submarine is, I think, the key vessel, and we have to make more investment in it. Uh, but, you know, to Governor Christie's comments, it, it goes back to my point. It's not numbers, it's capabilities. And the, one of the capabilities that we don't pay enough attention to in public discourse is the ability to communicate without interruption in a world in which uh, satellite communication will be compromised very quickly because of our enemies, where other types of communication could be disrupted. If we have the advantage in communication, if we can communicate and our enemies can't, then we can outmaneuver them, outfight them, and win. So it's, again, it's not just in this new world or any uh, situation in the past, uh, a number of items of ordinance. It's how well they're coordinated, what capacities do they have? What can they do? And that's what we're working on. Very quickly, Hamas was in Russia once this year, twice last year. Iran is providing drones to the Russians to use in Ukraine. What do we make of that collaboration? Well, it's not uh, a good collaboration because at some point the Iranians will ask for reciprocal benefits and which could make them much more uh, lethal in the region. We don't want to see that. Uh, their assistance to Russia has definitely helped the Russians maintain their offensives and their operations in Ukraine. That's not good. So, you, you know, putting both diplomatic pressure and other types of pressure, sanctions, uh, not only directly on the Ukraine, but secondary sanctions on those who deal with them, excuse me, not Ukraine, but Iran, uh, it's very, very crucial. I, I think one of the lessons we've learned is that uh, our economic power, if it's used adroitly, can be as useful as our military power. And we have to, I think, get a little bit better at, at using that economic power. As the voice of Senator Jack Reed, chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee. So it concludes your takeout, outtake, especially I know this wasn't necessarily fun and games. We've done that when he's been on the show before. And right now, it just doesn't feel like a fun and games time with the Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman. We will see you next week. Thanks. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus, starting May 1st.